0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Radio Uripus podcast, the podcast where we explore the culture of beer, brought to you by Uripus Brewing, and I'm your host, Danny Walker. You're tuned into to episode number 34, and this week I chat with local cheesemaker Matilda van Ottelo. Many of you will know that back in November, we chatted with Marika from Fromagerie Kef, an artisanal cheese shop in Amsterdam. After that, I was desperate to learn more about the world of cheese, therefore was very excited when Matilda agreed to join us for a chat. On the show, we discussed all about how Matilda became a cheesemaker, what it's like being a cheesemaker in Amsterdam, if there's a cheese scene or community. She also discussed how she wanted to combine her studies with her career, however, cheesemaking was not something she'd planned or studied. Then we discussed about how education and making connections to how produce is made is a great way of improving the visibility of producers like herself. All that on this week's Radio Oedipus Podcast. We're joined today by Matilda van Ottelo, a local cheesemaker living here in Amsterdam. She makes French-inspired raw milk cheese, and we're going to dive into uh, that world today. Uh, I'm very curious to know what uh, being a cheesemaker is living in Amsterdam is like. Uh, Many of you will, if you've listened to this podcast, you will know that we've already discussed cheese on the podcast with Marika from Fromagerie Kef. That was a bit of an introduction uh, into the world of cheese, and now I have the pleasure to be joined by a cheesemaker, so we're going to explore that a bit further and she's brought some of her cheese, so uh, very excited. Anyway, how are you today, Matilda?
1: Good, yeah. Good,
0: yeah, good. good. Well, thanks for joining cold. us. Cold, <laughs> it's cold, huh? Yeah, yeah it's cold. It's <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we we have a beer, so that maybe that can warm us up. The beer we're going to be drinking throughout the show today is uh, from Van der Broek Brewery. Uh, it's a water hose. Sandra, what is a water hose? Can you explain uh, that to me?
2: It's his name for. Uh, a, ghost a ghost type beer yeah which is uh spontaneously fermented beer fermented in barrels blend of one two and three year old ah okay cool so it's like lambic, but it's not made in the zen valley or in or in or around brussels but yeah. um so yeah and it's his name for that similar type of product
0: ah so it's the I dutch guess. version of it let's say it's his, version. Oh, his version his version his okay, cool. i would say All right, well, let's start by uh, pouring uh, each one of us a glass of that. That would be a good way to start, I think.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me uh, open uh, a bottle. There's a crown cap and a cork. So it might take some
1: time. I have a question (laughs) in between, though. Yeah. Can I? Yeah, I I was wondering. uh, I thought that Geuze was like uh, different lambiques combined. But did you say it's kind of similar, but it's just a regional name, Um.
2: Nah... Well, Lambic brewers, uh, I think they want to have this, similar to wine that you have Appalachians. Um. they would like to have this regional recognition because it originated uh, in, in, in and around Brussels in the Zen Valley. Um, but yeah, Lambic is the word for spontaneously fermented beer fermented in oak barrels, and then a uh, geus is a blend of that. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. And here it says, Watergeus is a blended beer of at least five carefully selected barrels, spontaneously fermented beers that matured for two years in our beer cellars. Inspired by Brussels, Brussels tradition, <laughs> this beer is... Uh, um, Brewed on uh, on 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 wood fire in copper kettles and uh, matured in old oak barrels.
0: Nice, great. sounds like yeah. cheese
2: to
1: me almost. Well, yeah. <laughs>
0: well, I have a question for you. Since you Can already have your glass, yeah. For yeah. Sure. S- since you already knew what a, a Gozer was, does this mean that you already have a knowledge or uh, a passion for beer? A, a, a...
1: Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially this kind of beer, actually.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, I have some friends living in Brussels, so that's also maybe why.
0: Ah, okay. Yes. So you've uh, you've been introduced to the Lambics. I'm not a, be-
1: uh, like uh, a beer expert, but I know a bit about it. And Elaine, she's um oh, yeah. a beer sommelier. I oh, think she, she was on the guess. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and she's and my friend. first uh, part-time employee, a bit. So, oh right, okay,
0: <laughs> okay, okay, nice. I mean we me were actually talking about Elaine, because uh, ah. we knew that you we are friends, and we knew that she make we i know that she makes wild uh, wild chutneys as well, yeah, so we made the assumption anyway yeah, um all right, just to kick off the introduction to you, uh Matilda. what does the day in the life of a, a cheesemaker look like
3: um
1: uh well uh, a day is, I think it's more like a week in a way, in the, uh, that it has a structure for my cheese at least. The mm-hmm. cheese I'm making takes uh, four days and then you still have to ripen it. Yeah. So the first day is picking up raw milk and I work with um, really fresh warm milk immediately from the cow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I drive very early in the morning, quarter to six, uh, wow. to the farm.
0: okay. Where's the farm?
1: Uh, yeah, it's in Kalkenge, which is close to Breukelen, so it's in the direction of Utrecht. Okay. And there, um, I'll uh, have these buckets, and I, when he's milking the cows, I pour the milk into the buckets, or at least, mm-hmm. um, and that takes. It uh, depends on the. On the time of the year, how much time it takes? Because now the cows don't give that much milk anymore, so it takes a long time until I have uh, three hundred to four hundred liters.
0: Well, there is a sh- very short amount of time that it's left the cow, and then it's in your possession, ready to make. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's it goes through a filter, and that's it. Wow. Um, so it's warm, and then I transport it uh, back to Amsterdam, mm-hmm. and I pour it into my cheese fat. I think the word is in English. Mm-hmm we called it in Dutch.
0: Yeah, the word escapes me. I forgot Barrel. its call. Yeah,
1: but yeah, exactly. Um, and I have two barrels of two hundred liters, so the maximum I can make is four hundred liters, mm-hmm. and then I leave it there. Uh, as I acidify it with cultures, with mm-hmm. acidifying cultures, and I add a little bit of extra uh, fungi culture as well mm-hmm. to let them grow a bit faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I wait, and then I put the rennet in after a certain amount of time, and that depends all on season and um, also the temperature in my dairy, the, all these factors.
0: Where is where is your dairy? Ah,
1: yeah, it's in the west, on the west side of Amsterdam. Almost when you think it's not Amsterdam anymore, it starts to be green.
0: Oh right.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, in Geuzenveld, uh, so it's almost near Halfweg. In oh, the direction yeah. of Harlem, okay,
0: near the town van West, I guess, it's right? It's in yeah. there, oh, actually. it's in there. Okay, yeah. right.
1: Yeah. So you can see my little dairy from the organic store that they have. Yeah. So uh, I have a lot. I'm also performing while making cheese, partly. <laughs> Great. <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs>
0: nice. Uh, and how did you become a cheesemaker? I, I know that you did work with uh, fromagerie Kef.
1: Yeah. How we come? Uh, when you asked? Well, when you told me, like. Eight years ago, I think, are oh, you <laughs> gonna become a cheesemaker? I wouldn't have thought that it would be no true. Chance. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no. Um, uh, I always liked making things, um, and my dad's a baker, so I grew up, uh, yeah, with craftsmanship and flavor, which is an important thing. Um and then I um just needed an extra job after job after studying uh, at the uh, Ufa here at uh, Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. I did a study about the environment and uh, there were so much complex situations uh, so I wanted to there. well the the whole question is so big and I wanted to make something concrete and add something to this big big problem with climate change and everything that we're having um so i thought if i do something very small in a way that it's uh yeah it's mostly circular and does something good for the planet gives back Mm. um
0: you're doing your bit
1: yeah exactly and if everybody would do that we would have a perfect world
0: (laughs) for sure that's what we have so yeah Yeah.
1: a bit idealistic but yeah uh so i walked into kev with my grandma (laughs) because she used to go to kev Um, for a really long time already and so they needed somebody and I needed a job after studying and I started working there and I don't know it got worse and worse my addiction to cheese and the whole thing of learning so I went to France to (laughs) learn how to make French cheese.
0: Okay so you had this already in your studies you had this kind of mindset that you wanted to change something in terms of... uh the world, let's say, yeah, in, in well, ecosystems. Yeah. yeah, when
1: I came from high school, I wanted to make the world a better place, as okay. a lot of people, I think, from this, well, that age want, but they don't know yet how to do that or how to achieve that or in what yeah. kind of way. And by, um, yeah, by learning a lot of the different factors that are involved with my studies at the university, i found that it's so complex. If I add, if I do something very concrete and small, I can in that way add mm-hmm. a bit Otherwise, it would be politics, or there's so much ways, of course, to do something.
0: But of course, yeah. So, what was the turning point at Kef then that was like, oh, I can do this, and as a cheesemaker,
1: uh, I did like a kind of a uh, how do you, it was called an accelerator about your personal growth. So, I met a lot of people that are doing things that they're liking that they're like, and how did they come to that? So, I learned a bit. What are my talents, and what do I need to so? I don't know, at a certain point I just decided I go for one thing because I thought I was a bit more a generalist. I I was good at, I was actually not good at anything, but I could do a bit of everything. So I decided to focus on something in particular.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then um, yeah, figuring out what that would bring me if I would like totally focus on something because I also wanted to make energy on, how do you call this, bike uh, Um uh, like neighborhoods. neighborhoods, mm. yeah, a uh, scale uh, with, from the GFT waste, from mm. the green waste. Okay. So this was also a plan I had. And there was a
0: number of different ideas yeah, you had going on. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I decided to choose for one thing in particular in order to let it grow and become something. Mm. And if I didn't like it, I would just, the whole idea was I I'd just do something and I go totally, I go fully into it. Until I don't like it anymore, and then I see what I do next. And yeah. it's still how I am doing what I'm doing, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I totally understand that. And But um, the French cheese part then. So, was there. Yeah. I'm trying to also find a little bit of magic there in the story with the cheese. Obviously, from Ajri Kef, do a lot of uh, French cheeses as well. Yeah. Was there a particular cheese that maybe that like. You found that it was like, oh, this is really doing something different uh, with cheese and and made you kind of think, I want to make this, I want to go to France and learn about this.
1: I was always in love with goat cheese. Okay. So that's where I started from. I also started my, when I went to France, I went to a goat farm in the Pyrenees and I learned uh, to make different kinds of cheese. So like a goat camembert, but also this lactic, typically uh, crumbly, fresh goat cheeses and hard cheeses. Mm -hmm. And then I came back and I actually kind of um, upgraded the kitchen from Kev and I could use it in the days they were were closed. And then I biked to the Riedamerhoeven, which is in the Amsterdam forest with my racing bike and two uh, five liter um, uh, jerry cans.
0: Mm On the racing bike,
1: yeah, on the back. They were on my back in a backpack.
0: Wow, nice, and I would good effort.
1: Go back and forth, and then make ten cheeses, ten little small cheeses, because every liter is one cheese in my yeah. case. Um, so I started with goat's milk uh, because I wanted to make that, and then due to different factors, I in the end um, became a cow's milk
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, cheese baker. But I still use the same kind of methods that is used in goat's milk. A mm-hmm. uh, goat's cheese, sorry. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit an in between between a like a, a camembert or a brie and a goat's cheese because it has the creaminess of a of the cow's milk, but it has the sourness of a goat's cheese. So to say.
0: Mm. Did you visit any of these cheesemakers that uh, Kef were kind of dealing with?
1: Uh, actually, I visited ones that are not exporting, so they're uh-huh. very very small regional scale and right. Uh, you were just talking about the couple of kettle and uh, uh and wooden fire. I made cheese on that in in the Jura. I made like a Comté kind of cheese there. Yeah. So there are a lot of beautiful things happening still in France, and in the Netherlands, it's a bit more difficult. But yeah. like under the just under the veil of France, in small
3: mm.
1: corners, there are these beautiful
2: yeah, artisanal. Do you worries. know what it is? Why it's more difficult in the Netherlands? <laughs> there, there has been this uh, this explosion of, of, of small beer makers. Yeah. is it is there nothing like that going on in the cheese uh, cheese scene?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think there cheese. are a lot of more <laughs> soft cheese makers because I think uh, there were already a lot of small scale cheesemakers. Uh, that make uh, Gouda types of cheese in the mm. Netherlands. But I think the soft cheese is something new. We don't have a tradition in that. It's something which is more from France or Italy. We're really, yeah, making gouda cheese most mm. of the time. Uh, so I think that's definitely uh, upcoming. There are more cheesemakers, but I think because we know each other very well. Uh, I think we're not more than 10 or 15 in total in the whole Netherlands, so it's not so much. Wow. And we're all small scale, so we don't make huge quantities.
0: So huh. there is this kind of cheese scene, this cheese community. We even have
1: an app group if we have some questions <laughs> oh, or great. we have a problem. We, so, it's nice. for the soft cheese makers. Uh, yeah, so it's even makers.
0: niche, it's even the soft cheese community. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah, and then you sure. share ideas and you help each other out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, oh, for sure. Awesome. Mostly
2: younger people, or anybody, any age, any.
1: I think. Background. They're mostly older, maybe, but there are some also younger ones coming now. So okay. Yeah. Mm. But I think together with maybe two others, we're we're like the youngest. Mm. Yeah.
0: And then since then, since you were making your uh, really really small batch of cheeses. Uh, Mm -hmm. the jerry can days um yeah (laughs) how did your popularity grow who who is who is buying your cheese
1: um uh, mostly uh well a lot goes indirectly to restaurants as well yeah um so it goes a lot on platters and i think dutch cheese is also because people want to buy more local and that's why it's partly why i made a soft cheese and not also a gouda because i wanted to Replace the cheese that we take from France because they should eat that in France and it's it's great. But we can we have so much milk here. Why don't we make our own French method cheeses?
0: Right, of course.
1: Um, so what was I saying?
0: Um, yeah, who who is buying it? Yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, I think it's mostly uh, uh, how do you call it? Delicati- delicacy Delicace stores essence. delis. delis, yeah, delis. Yeah. yeah, delis. This kind of yeah, <coughs> and, and yeah, specialized cheese stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, yeah, deliverers of restaurants.
2: Mm-hmm. When was this? When were the Jerican days?
1: <laughs> this was... <laughs> I went to France in 2014. Okay. So I think I did it for half a year, maybe something like that. Uh, and I it, I still, I didn't earn any money with it. So it was very slow. And in the mean, yeah, in the meantime, I worked four days at CAF, for instance, four yeah. days at CAF. So it was a bit in between. And I also had my ups and downs Uh, with the whole process
2: (laughs) do you feel that like four months you mentioned in france no
1: that was really short actually it was only one month but it felt like a lifetime
2: (laughs) yeah is it can you learn what it takes or was it just okay this is something now i have to learn it to do it myself i have a basis now yeah
1: yeah the thing is that they have a structure and the way they're doing it and the milk that they're having
2: is it also that week cycle that you spoke about earlier
1: yeah but they made a lot of different cheeses but they also have a a week cycle in that case that they all plan uh, each yeah cheese on a certain kind of day and it's all fitting in to each other kind yeah. of yeah cool. saturday was market day for instance <laughs> right yeah also important yeah
2: mm.
1: yeah they only sold on this market so it's very different from what i'm doing now oh wow yeah yeah so i i tried to be on a market here in the north actually but uh i quit it after some short time because there was nobody coming and it was very very cold <laughs> oh no it was at the van der Peck Markt on the Saturdays. We had an organic part, but it was just there very, very short because it didn't really go anywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah. But what kind of relationship do you have with um, the people that sell it? Because I'm just trying to make the connection here because uh, with your studies and what you're saying about trying to mm-hmm. um, change something, you know, and we also spoke on the phone and you said how this education and learning process in the, in, about cheese making and where it comes from is a really important part of what you do. What are you, how are you getting that message across? Are you, are you talking to retailers, also chefs in restaurants? What, what's your relationship like? With yeah, these people? during
1: the time I worked at CAF, I was also in my function as an as employee of CAF. I was also yeah. adv, uh, at, how do you call this? Advising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Advising um, restaurant owners uh, a bit on how to make a platter, but I could also bring a bit more to the table because I started making cheese then so mm-hmm. it was also some addition. And so once I gave um a presentation about cheese making to Shell Bleu so they had an idea of how mm. this works. Um, and now I'm also uh, once every year you have this warm you have the Warm underhof. It's an organic dynamic how do you call it? Yeah organic dynamic agricultural uh, yeah. school. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I learned them a bit about uh, the process, but also about uh, the practical, the how do you call it, the financial uh, mm-hmm. part of starting your own business. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm still figuring that out, though. Um, <laughs> but yes. Uh, so and um, that's why I'm in the city as well and visible. I want to sh- show people or get people more connected to how food is made. Yeah. And maybe you have that as well, Sander, with having a brewery in in a city
2: that they can see yeah i think that's a very important part of of our tap room and also the the identity of our tap room that is actually in the middle of a brewery and there's even no glass wall you have to have a physical barrier but that's more uh, excise tax uh, thingy (laughs) that that there Mm. must be a physical barrier uh, but and it's there but it's in the same space so you can see what's going on yeah sometimes brewers are also performing in our place you yeah know? exactly and uh uh but yeah i think it, it's maybe not so much at that point you know uh, brewing is a lot about uh cleaning up or pumping liquids from here to there maybe people that are sitting and looking and having a beer not fully understand what what the process is about in total, but it makes it real. It makes it, you can smell, see, uh, feel what it takes. And uh, I think that helps uh, sparking maybe some interest and then maybe they come uh, over for a tour at some point and then you learn what it's about. Yeah, um, I
1: think it's a bit similar because they, Uh, I may have to say 80% of what I do is cleaning so it's I think a bit maybe even more than in beer making but I'm not sure about that maybe similar
2: yeah I guess so Uh, (laughs) I made beer once though
1: but um, yeah Uh, so it's a bit similar because they don't totally grasp what I'm doing of course and it's very repetitive because Mm -hmm. I'm filling forms with a spoon which Mm. takes me two to three hours and I can imagine it kind of be, okay, I saw that she put something into a form, okay. And then they go. So they have, but it's still a little bit of a connection that they get more. And I'm also giving this workshop, not at the moment, but normally. um, And I do mozzarella making. I chose mozzarella because it's very uh, good cheese to make in a a short amount of time. Yeah. It's fast. Uh, Yeah, it's a fast way. It's also a recipe that you can do at home. So it's really something that they can redo at home if they would mm-hmm. like to. Uh, you can do it in approximately one half hour if you're if you did it many times before. Yeah. Uh, the first time it takes a bit more time.
2: Why is that? Why why wouldn't your other whoa, other cheeses uh, uh, be go. more difficult to to uh, to make at home?
1: Uh, because the acidification process uh, alone takes twenty four hours. Yeah. Um, That's
2: so- time. You can have it yeah. at home. No, nowadays, you can do especially. it at home, but yeah. for like a workshop, it's very <laughs> yeah, difficult okay. to no, do sure, it. Yeah. No, no,
1: no. But you could do this at home. It's yeah. quite easy to make cheese. I think it's more difficult to make a, a cheese which is uh, approximately the same all the
2: time. Right.
1: That's, yeah. I think, where yeah. the the craftsmanship comes from, and yeah. that's what I also heard. As bread, baking, baking, and bre- yeah, exactly, yeah. it's mm-hmm. the same. Yeah. And I'm still having some. You have the seasonal varieties in the milk and in the weather and in the temperature of your of your dairy and all these kind of things. So uh, it's still very hard for me, at least, to make a very. Uh, Do you aim
2: to be consistent? Is that your, what you what you want?
1: <laughs> uh yeah well yeah because
2: winemakers be... can put a, a year on a bottle and then okay this is this this is that and then
1: I think it's okay to have some seasonal varieties variability right yeah <laughs> Vari- how do you call it yeah, yeah. variety variety works yeah. sorry i make words up uh, so um and but it shouldn't be an excuse i think that's maybe the uh yeah silver lining mm. so they just say oh yeah yeah sorry it's a uh, totally different in taste now yeah but it's because the cows are outside uh, it's okay if it's once because you're learning but i think as a cheesemaker well, maybe I'm I'm putting the, the how do you call this the lot Lottver- The bar? the bar yeah. <laughs> very high, but yeah, yeah, I'm aiming for
2: Consistent consistency, yeah. Yeah. yeah, with yeah. a
1: bit of seasonal
2: influence, influence, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Now we had a, a a brewer from a very large brewery here, and he also tells about the like. Quality can also be. It's about this agreement you have with your customer. If they expect this this variation in in cheese or beer, then that can be something that's
1: they do understand, and yeah. it, it it definitely happens. But so. it
2: can also be something you want mm. to uh, um, express seasonality. The, yeah, in
1: yeah, some things I do because I um, make uh, cheese from one liter is one cheese the so whole year round, and now the cheeses are bigger. Than that they are in uh, spring and summertime because the milk is less thick then, so yeah. there's less cheese coming out of one liter. So I do also try to tell a story with the se- seasons, yeah. but taste wise or um, yeah, I really try to aim for the same. However, I'm ripening in uh, my cheese in wine um, um, cellars, cellars, how cellars yeah. yeah um and they're not the perfect way like if i would have a perfect ripening room it would be way easier as mm-hmm. well than what i'm doing so it's of course also a question of uh possibilities that you have but sure.
0: yeah yeah yeah, I think we will touch upon that a bit more once we've actually tra- tried your yeah, cheese. Sorry. But no, no, I think it's all really good that we touched upon it, but I did have one question that was uh, yeah. uh, related to the previous point because it reminded me of the Sam Roof's uh, uh, conversation we had. Mm-hmm. It was a your, director, neighbor. And da- your neighbor of yours. He's the director of Town, opposite oh, yeah. from town uh, Van West. That, yeah. And uh, he was talking a lot about local food systems and, and trying to... Um, inform and educate people on that process in in order to help local food systems. I was wondering what what you're doing in these workshops to try and do that. Are you educating people about the nutrition uh, of of the environment and uh, how do you help to kind of... Is that maybe one of your biggest problems as a producer, that visibility um, that you don't have or trying to educate people in that way?
1: I think the... The workshop I'm giving now is really based on how is cheese made,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think, and then especially mozzarella. Yeah. I tell the general story of how cheese is made and a bit about myself. Um, but I don't tell that much about the environment, but about um, with telling about my cheese, mm-hmm. you also involve a bit uh, about why I started making cheese, so why it's connected to mm-hmm. uh, the landscape we live in, for instance.
0: Yeah, for sure. And because of your studies, you were talking about basically uh, trying to make a, a greener world, essentially. Um, and you're trying to raise, you want to try and raise awareness.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: What is your point of view when it comes to kind of the sustainability with animals? How far yeah. do you go in terms in terms of that?
1: It's a difficult one. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure it out how, um, what I think about it. It's partly... I'm not the farmer, so I don't have the animals, but I have a very close connection with him, which is necessary to make raw milk cheese. Mm -hmm. Um, And we discuss a lot about herbs um, uh, and um, how the cows behave, if they do have horns, if they don't, and why, because they you now like take the horns away because the the stable is actually not made for it to have horns so it's not safe and well you cannot build a new stable all mm-hmm. this kind of there are a lot of factors that are involved and you're kind of yeah trying to figure out what works best also i mean financially in combination with i think the environment so it's a bit of a balance there what were
0: these all things that you were thinking about when you chose your farmer as well, because I'm sure there was a process yeah. that you went through finding where your milk came from.
1: Yeah, because I also switched. <laughs> ah, okay. sometime Right. Um, well, the breed of cow is very important. Uh, it's Blaarkoppe It's a, a certain kind of cow which is not that much there anymore. It's not the Frisian Holstein, the mm-hmm. the cow we know, yeah. the black and white one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also called Polar Panda. It's like a, they have this round. Okay. The Blackop have their round um, stains around their eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, in black or in brown. And um, they give a uh, milk which is more, uh, how do you say this? Uh, concentrate, concentrated. Concentrated. Yeah. Uh, so taste-wise and because of the breed, and they can also be ate- eaten for meat. So afterwards, they're also uh, sold uh, through Kopenkuh. I don't know if you know it, but they sell the whole... A cow, you can order a half as a family, for instance, or a quarter or something like this. So it's really trying, yeah, to do what's best. And it's also organic, which is important to me as well, that the milk and the farm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, super interesting. So Um, we
1: really try to, but he does the job. I'm not doing anything there. I'm trying to reward him for him for what he does, Hmm. actually. So he can do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's no. It's something too. that it was something that came up with the uh, with the Marika show that I found quite interesting as well. And Sander was talking about it on the phone with me earlier about he picked up on it about how there was the uh, the cheese supplier with the forty goats, you know. And ah, I was Hanukkah. Yeah, honey. <laughs> so maybe is she in the cheese group uh, app? Is she?
1: Uh, I think she's too old for the app. Oh right, okay, <laughs> no, okay. no, 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 no. I'm not sure. No, but I no, th- maybe she's in the app. I think so.
0: Yeah, but I, I thought that obviously uh yeah having 40 goats is maybe the amount that she can handle and for in order for her product to still be sustainable let's say or or maybe i or, or size she or, can handle or, yes, can, yeah.
2: Yeah. or or the plot of land that can uh where you can fit the amount of uh yeah
1: yeah and yeah. i think it's a bit because the farm started before i started making cheese from the milk and i'm still also not taking all the milk uh so we're in not in that way still yeah we're not connected yet there Mm -hmm. uh we think about how we're gonna um yeah continue in this but um for now it's he started and he really liked that somebody was making something of his milk and he really made also a devotion to it in a way of that he's really taking care of the milk Mm -hmm. yeah
0: cool nice interesting
2: would you like to be to, to to be in control also of that part
1: uh well I really like to learn a lot about it uh because it's so connected to cheese making mm-hmm. and in the beginning that's why I also sw- switched uh, farmers in the beginning because I I uh, underestimated um how much involvement there is uh from the farmer actually I can imagine, yeah yeah uh, it's a
2: j- job <laughs> probably
1: yeah like another, I mean, uh, yeah, another but,
2: business no but
1: I mean if I would um My cheese, is half of it is made by the farmer of the taste of the cheese. Half of it I cannot do. Sometimes I call my dad cheese it like it's a translation of milk. So he's doing half of the work for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really... uh, Important. Yeah, it's really important. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Time for a quick break just to let you know where you can find more information on the podcast all previous episodes are available on our website, which is Oedipus.com forward slash radio. And you can find the podcast by searching Radio Oedipus on your podcast app. If you want to get in contact with me, drop a message to the address radio at udipus.com The second part of the show, Sandra discusses Vandenbroek's Broek's water hose. And we also get to try some of Matilda's delicious cheese. So here's the second part of the Radio Oedipus podcast. A moment for the beer before we go any further. And yeah, I
1: didn't try it yet,
0: Yeah.
2: Talking so much. Yes, oh,
0: sorry. <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. yeah. Yeah, try it. Uh, I did uh, I did pour myself a second glass already. I'm like, uh, <laughs> no, listening a lot, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, sorry. No, that's, that's good, that's good. We have an extra bottle, so yeah, um, yeah, yeah. there's sure. plenty. Ah. Yeah, it's uh de- it's definitely uh similar to to the the products I know from uh Belgium that are in the same style. Um but van den I think broek what,
0: from uh, Drenthe did we figure Yeah, Midwolde out? or yeah, mid near Groningen Drenthe yeah. we were not. Not sure.
2: <laughs> exactly sure, but <laughs> northeast from mm-hmm. where we are. Um Yeah, I think lemon stands out, a bit leathery, some resin. Sometimes you have these Oak barrels that can have this really sort of yeah, yeah harshy resiny kind yeah. of uh, 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 almost also syrupy uh, aroma and I think yeah you can tell this beer is, is set in a in an oak barrel. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, a bit, what's in in a good way. I, I always like that in certain lambics also that there's um, uh, a bit of this dusty layer on top of. Of of the fresh citrusy notes and um,
1: like minerally or something, or
2: uh, yeah, that's not exactly what I mean. Uh, this beer also has that, but uh, that yeah. Sometimes you walk into this like really dusty, moldy cellar, and mm. it 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 it's not it shouldn't be dead, you know. It shouldn't be foul or or. But but this dusty mm, damp- mature yeah, mature yeah. kind of uh, uh, feel. Uh, I also have that in 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 this beer. And in a, uh, yeah, I really appreciate uh, a characteristic, mm. like or that that characteristic that that these type of beers can have.
1: Yeah, I, I really like the sourness of the beer. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, it's so much water acidity, in your mouth. Uh, yeah.
3: Always.
0: Yeah,
2: that tart <laughs> and super refreshing. You know. Yeah. yeah. But complex, not
0: uh, simple, and yeah, uh, and it no. goes on. It's React not like acidity.
1: sour and then doof. Yeah. Yeah, it's very really nice.
0: Does it go well with the cheese? Shall we find out?
1: Yeah, because I I took a range of cheeses. <laughs> okay,
0: cool. Yeah, you introduce your cheeses. That would be the easiest yeah. way to do it. Okay,
1: good. Yeah, you can do it too. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, I make one kind of cheese at the moment, which is called Hansche. But I took... Um, I wanted to show you a bit about ripening. Um, so the first one I took, it's um, it gets a bit bluish and that's around this time of year because it's so humid and that's something... I actually want to, I actually like it to be blue, but a lot of people, consumers don't get it. So it's a difficult thing sometimes.
0: That looks like a different, I mean, like, it's the same kind of blue as normal blue cheese, but that one just actually looks moldy.
1: Yeah, it's very, and it's really, it smells like, well, a bit like a cellar and mineral and this kind of so yeah. what you taste a bit in a beer. Yeah.
0: Great. Um, and it's gooey. I like the look of it as well. Yeah,
1: so that's very nice and it's it's it has a lot of humidity around it, so therefore it's it starts to run and the middle is still crumbly and soury. Mm-hmm. And then the other one well, but you should taste that for yourself. But uh, and the other one I'm yeah, start, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, do that.
2: <laughs> How important is mouthfeel for cheese you think
1: i think i think very because, important yeah but is
2: it just the age or also fat fat content also does something right
1: for sure for sure yeah. um now it has a high fat content during this time of year mm-hmm. uh four to five percent sometimes even so it's very high the milk at least mm-hmm. um um so it's more creamy during this time of year so this kind of seasonal things i cannot change of course um so it's more creamy and it's easier to get it very runny mm-hmm. than in spring or summertime.
3: Yeah.
2: But, but the, um, the level of conditioning is the only thing that's different in these two yeah. examples. So that's not the milk content being <coughs> no, it's, fatter or no, less. Yeah.
1: but it's because of the... Um, because of the uh, humidity, the ripening processes of the fungi go faster right. and they break down fats and ah, proteins yeah. and that's what you see around the crust. Mm-hmm. So what you see actually is, is the runny part it is because of the the fungi on the crust actually are changing um, slowly the cheese. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's not on the inside. Choose. I no. would expect it from the inside to be an, an outside hard inside, maybe. No, but like it goes from the outside. Or so, when yeah, you boil yeah. it. Yeah. Mm.
1: No, it goes from the outside. And ah. also, salt plays an important role uh, because you salt with you put salt around it, and that also sucks a little bit of the um, uh, humidity, yeah, yeah, the moisture out of it. So, it also influences mm. a lot of the fungi growth as well.
0: So, I want to know about. Um your process of wanting to make your, your cheese. Yeah. Um, talk me through the idea of it. Did, was there a particular kind of, you said you wanted to make f- French style cheese or what, what was the idea or what is what makes your cheese unique, would you say?
1: Um, well, that being in between a brie camembert, like um, the normal, the known cow's milk cheeses and the goat's cheese. Yeah, I'm not drinking so fast. But
3: Here it is,
2: whenever you're ready.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'm talking so much, that's the
3: problem. <laughs> uh,
1: sorry. Um, so, yeah, there was, it's just a bit of in between. It's uh, Saint-Marcelin is, I think, the French variety of the cheese that I'm making mm-hmm. uh, a bit. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. And it just developed because I started with goat's milk and then came into cow's milk and just... Adapted a bit the recipe, but still stayed in that corner. Mm. But I still want to make a washed grind cheese. I started a bit experimenting with that. Already. Okay,
0: cool. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that that process. How easy is it to make? You do these workshops, like how
1: to make cheese? you yeah. mean Yeah. Well, I think for <laughs> it's very hard to say, to know this because you're really I mean really you're into in the it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. I think if you're a perfectionist, it's not so hard. <laughs> yeah. Um
0: if you're perfectionist, it's not so hard or it no, is very really
1: hard. Well, if if I think it's a very um good quality to have if you're making cheese. <laughs> right. Um so uh if you're um, how to say this. I think the process of cheese making, as I said, is not so difficult. Um you leave milk out with acidifying culture, you put it in a form, you leave it there, you turn it, you salt it, and then you put it in a in a fridge with a certain kind of temperature and humidity, and then you have cheese.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's in a way it's not so hard. But yeah, like I said, the consistent making a consistent cheese, I think, is is the whole and working with a with milk which is never the same. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't have the same cows. Mm-hmm. Because I have, I don't take all the milk most of the time. So I have different cows each week that are giving me the milk. So I have different milk as well. Because every go- cow gives different milk.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. How much room for creativity, you would think, would there be in cheesemaking?
1: Well, in a way, it feels very creative <clears throat> because you're... Well, it's improvising in a way. Mm-hmm. Because you're always um looking at what hap- what's happening and how is the structure and measuring the pH and figuring out what to do but you have certain kind of uh, rules and yeah. and uh so there is no uh yeah room for But rules
2: for food safety or rules for uh, cheese it, styles or uh
1: well yeah, there. Are, so, if I make would make another kind of cheese, the steps are the same in a way. If you make cheese, but the process and the temperature and uh, the amount of rennet that you add are, are varying. I think mm-hmm. it's, I don't know how it's with beer, but it's kind of the ingredients are the same, but you turn some factors around.
0: Mm.
2: No, yeah, sure, but yeah, in beer with barley malt, hops, yeast, and water, you can make pitch black beers uh, you can make super light beers you can make beers of
3: 0.5
2: percent or up uh, 10 or more you know bitter sour uh, anything so all these different beer styles there are with only these four similar ingredients Uh, but you can also make something like like lambic and 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 that might be different uh, because it's been sitting in a barrel or spontaneously fermented which is where you have i think a bit less control um so then you know creativity comes in maybe also controlling the process or adapting to certain factors or combining maybe certain styles and and influence from here influence from there and see what you can do flavor wise
1: yeah yeah i think i think it's in the in the you have certain kind of recipes and then you have your own ingredients and which milk is the most important factor there and With that, you start experimenting and come up with a a recipe, but the recipe is changing throughout the year. I think uh, because I'm just one year round or a little bit more than over one year round with this milk. Okay. So that's then you know a bit how to make my cheese, at least. So you need a lot of time to... Um, Understand
2: it fully and, yeah. and dial in the process, yeah. and really get it where yeah. you want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I get it.
1: Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, for me, it feels it's it feels never the same. However, the steps are the same. Yeah. I think that's a bit yeah. what I like yeah. about it. Yeah.
0: Mm. And using that raw milk, you you said that the milk does change a lot. How do you, as a maker, try to make your product consistent?
1: How do I do that? Yes yeah. Um, well, with adding less or more rennet, for instance, uh, with cooling down the milk less or more. So when it's cold in my dairy, I leave it a bit warmer because it cools down during the process a bit more. This kind of, um, easy things. Mm -hmm. Um, and also the time between uh, adding the acidification is a first process that you start acidifier. And then later on you start, you use the, um, Uh, You put the rennet in and it influences each other, so it binds the the proteins. Right. Um, And the more sour it is, the the better the rennet is going to work. So I wait a bit longer in a certain time of year uh, than in other times of year Mm -hmm. in between this. So these are all these factors that you're...
0: That you can play around with. Yeah, and also the
1: humidity in your cellar, for instance.
0: Okay, cool. And which part of the process would you say fascinates you the most is it this playing around with the aging and the storing is it what you can do with fermentation you said you only use one particular kind of culture did you say it's a mix actually it's a mix uh, so which part really fascinates you i think like beer obviously for sander plays around with fermentation and, and that's kind of part of the process i was wondering how you viewed that
1: uh, for now, I really like the ripening process a lot. So the cheese making is only three days, but then starts the whole ripening process and it feels like taking care of your babies, like turning them around, putting them in water corner, right. uh, these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I like at the moment the most, and I think you can influence it. I can make a washed rind cheese with the same kind of cheese at the beginning. And if I just ripen it and wash it during ripening, which is a washed rind, then you get a different kind of cheese already so it's very interesting to mm. experiment with that part and what i find very interesting is natural cultures so using your own way for instance that's what they do mm. a lot in france or making your own yeah clabber, i think they call it, clabber, it in, yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: what's
1: it it's a uh, yeah what's a dutch word yeah i don't know the dutch oh. word <laughs> <laughs> it's like a starter culture from your own milk kind
2: of
3: yeah
1: Yeah. Um, can you only
2: get that that you can only get from raw milk then
1: Uh, I think so yes yeah yeah it wouldn't work with pasteurized milk no
2: no no but you keep that going then or
1: well that's what people do yeah yeah. and I buy a starter culture from uh, which is in powdered uh, powder Mm. form and it's uh, more uh, consistent and it's especially for food safety that Mm -hmm. I do this Uh, but I think the other ways of fermenting are a bit more wild, but are very interesting as well. And uh, I still want to like learn a lot about that and experiment a lot with that. But it's very difficult with the Dutch or European rules, actually. Yeah. Because the, the the rules are actually European, but in France, I think they have this rule that if you don't export within 50, uh, like a 50 kilometer radius,
2: Can get they're away kind with of everything. like... Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, the same
2: actually with Lambic, a spontaneously fermented beer. Then you have a brew, you don't pitch a a single strain of Saccharomyces yeast, but just leave the brew open to cool overnight. That's what Tone van den Broek does in the beer we're we're drinking. Um, But there is, I think there was this law, and I'm not sure if it's implemented like throughout the world of spontaneous fermentation, but... There is this. There was this paper once about um, the type of microorganisms that thrive in alembic brew and wort. And, and yeah. there's also enterobacter, which dies off very soon when pH drops and lactobacillus are producing acids. But uh, I think th- yeah, a law got implemented that you had to acidify the wort with either lactic acid or another acid uh, to prevent this enteropeak. Uh,
1: yeah, um,
3: in the beginning. Yeah.
2: Although it wouldn't result in a in a harmful or or pathogens in yeah. the final product, it it was something that they thought, uh, or at it least the law. There. In the law, yeah, the, the yeah, who and therobacter in a beer, you know, we yeah, can't yeah. have that. Right. Uh, so there, there, I think there's a similarity. You yeah, know, for it, sure. it's. And I think in beer, it might be a bit different because there is alcohol and for no sure. oxygen this and low pH. This is way more pH. dangerous cheese. Yeah, yeah, perhaps, yeah, yeah for uh, sure. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but I can... Uh,
1: yeah, there's a lot of milk sugars and uh, there are so much uh, things already in the milk that are, uh, if they evolve, they are not maybe not that good. Mm-hmm. So the cheese I'm making is kind of sour in the beginning. <coughs> the pH is 4.4 4, approximately. Okay,
2: it's average beer, this would be lower. Yeah. Uh, what we're drinking now.
1: Yeah. So for a cheese, it's kind of sour, and then later on, it's, it the pH goes up a bit. Um, but if you're making a Camembert kind of style, it mostly doesn't go that sour, and it's even more susceptible for a lot of mm-hmm. things. So it's, yeah, you're always playing with what you can do within the process to make it food safe, but also, uh, yeah, there's still a lot to learn there for me as well to figure out if you can do a bit uh, be a bit more guerrilla tactics in mm. like this kind of cheese making.
2: Yeah, a bit more feral or yeah, um, yeah. wild or. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah,
1: I think that uh, Duti, she's making cheese in Jubbacha y- in uh, Friesland. Friesland, yeah. And um, uh, she has goats and she's really doing it uh, this kind of style. And uh, she used to be a microbiologist or something in mm. a lab. or So she knows a lot about it and she just. Uh, really went into a conflict with the, uh, with the, yeah. Uh, And she won, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. And she? She won, like, or at least she didn't have Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, so there are, she's, she's like... She's hero. uh,
1: Yeah, in that case, yes, (laughs) for sure, yeah. Nice. Yeah, and there are internationally, a a Canadian who's really giving lectures about this, so there is a, I also have my international cheesemaker group that I normally meet in Berlin in the beginning of November, but not this year. Oh,
0: it's a shame. <laughs> there are big parallels to the craft beer community. Yeah, I and reckon. it
2: <laughs> must also be something that Elaine must be pushing, right? Well, being uh, the co-founder of Carnivale Bretonumaisis, which is about wild and yeah, wild yeah, fermentation, sure. she yeah, yeah. she wants is, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. She
1: really wants to become a cheesemaker. Yeah yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, but also that wild side is probably something. She yeah, did.
1: yeah, yeah. I think so. But it's also very difficult to start with that. Yeah. I think it's a good. For no. me, at least, I thought, okay. First, I start with this. If I have this under control, I can exchange or change uh, a factor each time. Yeah, that's kind of the.
3: I think
2: that's a smart thing. Uh, yeah, tick,
0: tick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, what's the what's the next step or any future plans that you have? Do you have? Is there another cheese style or particular cheese using different aging process you want to make? What flavors would you like to do? Expanding your range.
1: Well, I wanted to to make a very strong flavored cheese in the beginning well i ended up with this it has lots of flavor but i wouldn't say it's sharp or strong uh yeah just continue eating (laughs) um but um uh so the washed rind is something i really like so the the smelly cheeses i really like that
0: me too smellier the better
1: yeah exactly for me it's yeah, it's true as well. And um, I'm also figuring out how long I can stay in the little area that I'm in right now at the town. Because mm-hmm. I really like it there and I like the connection. But it's it's very difficult of transporting the milk and how long is it. Actually, because it takes me a lot of time, and can I continue in this way? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm also trying to figure out how big I want to be. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. if I can earn my money, is it in, isn't it enough? Or do I need to, I don't know, uh, make other cheeses? Do I want to? Yeah, I want to. But mm. so I'm, I'm at the moment, I'm a bit in a yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I can also go to the farmer to be on the farm. Mm-hmm. This is something I'm thinking about. So there are a lot of uh, different things in my head going around, or how to how to proceed. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Okay. Just in the middle of it. (laughs) World of opportunities. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, and figuring out what way I want it, and also how I want to. It has also to do with your personal life. How how much time do I want to spend on my work and uh, have maybe a private life as well? Because Mm. it's taking so much time, and how can I kind of do this? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I understand that. I have kind of one more uh, point I'd like to ask is, has your cheese consumption gone up or down since becoming a cheesemaker? Do you still love cheese as much as you did, when, which made you start making it?
1: Uh, yeah, I still love cheese as much as I did when I started making it. I think that, um, well, I forget <laughs> to take my own cheese home all the time. My boyfriend yeah. asked me, like, oh, you didn't bring cheese? Oh, no, I forgot. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. something... Stupid.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so on Saturday, sometimes I go to buy cheese at Kef or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. What other but- cheeses do you buy?
1: Uh, I like Coulommiers a lot. It's uh it's a cow's milk cheese which is in between a Camembert and a Brie a bit. Mm-hmm. I like it only when it's very, very ripe. Um, I'm not so fan of blue cheeses. I find them mostly too salty, but it's something personal tasting. Yeah. And. Um, I like washed rind ones, so Epoisses uh, I like a lot, mm-hmm. but also the langre, which is more crumbly and fresh, like the, yeah, like my cheese, but then has a washed rind. So that's something I'm trying to develop a bit myself now.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Do you think it's can you eat lots of cheese and still have a balanced nutritional diet? You think?
1: Uh, I think a lot of cheese. Uh, no.
0: No, no, it's a bit too fatty, <laughs> right?
1: I think, yeah, I think for your how do you call it cholesterol, cholesterol. (laughs) Um, I think it's with everything. So everything is okay to eat as long as you don't eat too much of it. It's with beer. It's with wine. It's I think it's with coffee as well. It's with a lot of things. With bread as well. If you eat only bread, it's like Mm -hmm. so. It's about the variety of your diet, and Mm there can definitely be cheese there. But, Mm -hmm. and I think that's also. I, that's why I don't maybe want to become that big because I also want to be a small-scale farmer and we don't have to eat cheese every day. It's more yeah. about paying the the right amount for the product so that the farmer and the land uh, can be as it is. And then uh, in the same time, we... I can eat a product which tastes very, very good, and not something, for instance, which is uh, Gouda cheese from the from the supermarket, which doesn't have that much flavor. So it's, I think it's more in buying less cheese but quality cheese. I think that's what what I'm aiming for.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Radio Oedipus podcast. If you would like some of Matilda's cheese, you can also head to our website, which is matildascast.nl. And if you're located in Amsterdam, Fromagerie Kef is the best place for all your cheese needs. Remember, you can find all episodes of the show on our website too, which is oedipus.com forward slash radio, and by searching Radio Oedipus on your podcast app. If you use Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure to like and subscribe to keep up to date. The music used on today's show is written and composed by Ola i Music and tune in next time for more explorations into the culture of beer.